Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff, like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that pointed out, hey, it's October. Did anybody wake up Green Day yet? He is the captain. Oh, yeah. Dookie, dookie, dookie. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. An excellent selection for this week. We are drinking Shadows of Their Eyes, which is a dark sour aged in oak barrels by the fine sour beer company known as Rare Barrel. ABV 6.8% garage grade, four out of five bottle caps. And here are the fine folks that contributed to this week's beer run. First up, out of Sparta, New Jersey, we got Gary B., Listening in the car. Mm, New Jersey, you'd think maybe uh, Gary V, like Gary Vanderchuck. Maybe he's listening to True Crime Garage while he's going on his garage sales. Next up, we have Suzanne in Sacramento, California. And next, a long distance cheers to Vanessa from Cologne, Germany. And a big shout out to Aaron in Bloomington, Indiana. Next, we have Jane in Crownsville, Maryland. And last but certainly not least, we have Suzanne in Junction City, Kansas. Wait. Oh, I want to give a shout out to Stephanie at Pastimes up in North Columbus. She's a longtime listener listening at work. So to everyone out there, wherever you choose to listen to TCG, we thank you. And for our old episodes, download the Stitcher app. They are free. And you can check out our weekly show called Off the Record on Stitcher Premium. Also, go to TrueCrimeGarage.com and click on the store page. We have new Skull logo baseball tees, and we also have Zodiac logo tees, and we have them in double XL and triple XL. So get those before they're gone. And that is enough of the business. That's right. That's enough of you, Captain. That's enough of me. Everybody gather around. Grab a chair. Grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. A young woman has a traumatic experience at a party. She decided to go to the police about what happened to her, 
but before she does, she vanishes. The only contact with her, a mysterious phone call to her brother, in which she says she doesn't know where she is. Then she disappears. Her car is found. As for our missing 18-year-old Ebby Stebbick, no sign of her, nothing. Let's dive back in, shall we? Now remember we talked about phone data and social media in episode one and how the investigator was confused about Ebby's phone and about her social media. Ebby's family once again tries to get involved. They even offer to pay for an IT expert to help to access and analyze all of this data. And then all of this only to be told that the department would not accept outside help. Detectives also failed to obtain surveillance footage from the Walmart Supercenter on Chanel Drive, which could have captured Ebby. In a final insult, for eight months, the Little Rock Police Department treated the case essentially as a runaway. And the case sat in the major crimes division with virtually no movement. Even as late as November 2nd, when Ebby's family reiterated that she would not have been out of contact for so long, Channel 7 News in Little Rock reported that, quote, police tell Channel 7 they believe Ebby is still alive and in the area. And as Michael Jernigan put it to KARK-TV, quote, the whole first 30 days was just the cops counting on Ebby showing back up. Lori echoed this sentiment, saying, for the first part of the investigation, no one was looking for her. Now, Lori is not the type to take this lying down. The family hired Monty Vickers, a retired 22-year Little Rock Police Department detective turned private investigator to help them. Someone needed to care about Ebby's case. As ex-police himself, at first Vickers was hesitant to get involved in such a recent active case being handled by the force he had once been a part of. Right. But he decided he could perhaps act as a go-between. He doesn't want to take over the investigation. He doesn't want to get in the way of the investigators. He thinks that they need a go-between for the parties involved to help with what seemed to be a poor relationship between the police department and the Jernigans. But when the Little Rock Police Department would not return his calls and he caught wind of the botched investigation, he says that was enough for him, that he was now going to actively get involved in the investigation. Yeah, because a lot of these departments, they hold a lot of respect for former employees. So when they call, it's a big deal. But when they're not making a big deal of it, something's fishy. He says, and he's on record as saying such, he says, quote, I found out pretty quickly they didn't give a damn what I had to say. They wouldn't call me back. They basically just wouldn't talk to us, to the family or to him. He said he charged the family one single dollar to get to work on this investigation. Now, Vickers discovered that none of Ebby's bank cards or accounts had been accessed in any way since she disappeared. That plus the fact that she would never have left without her car and all of her possessions, the family feared the worst. Even more alarming, Vickers uncovered that Ebby sent several text messages to the young men she had had the encounter with at the party on the Friday before she vanished, threatening to go to the police and have them arrested. It seems that Michael's concerns that Ebby might have confronted 
one of these boys or all of them alone might be correct. Right. Or they could have said, oh, she's going to go to the cops and there's, and she could say, I have a copy of the video. Let's just say she said that. Then that gives us motive. Even if she's not going to confront them, that gives them a reason to find her. Right. Well, Vickers found out who these boys were and searched the areas near their homes. This is for any clues as to Ebby's whereabouts. He came up with nothing. To his dismay, he discovered that the police had, in fact, talked to these guys at some point, but never looked at their phones, despite the family telling the police department about the rape allegations and that there may be a video. Why? Right, and it's not clear if they asked for the phones, but we know that they didn't look at them. Well, what we do know is the detectives on the case told the family, and they told Vickers, the private investigator, that they did not have probable cause to search the phone. So basically they're stating, we could have asked these boys to see their phones, and they said no, and we don't have probable cause to to search the right, phones right, right. beyond them allowing us or not allowing us. Now, five months after Ebby was last seen, Vickers made arrangements to meet with Guy Hooper. Remember, he's the security guard who called the police when he found a vehicle in Chalamont Park. Yeah. Little Rock police assured Vickers that they had spoke to this man, to the security officer. So he assumed this would be just like a quick confirmation that Hooper didn't know anything more than what was relayed to him from police. Instead, the meeting resulted in a 45-minute taped interview. To Vickers' shock, he was told by Hooper that he had never been contacted by police. Further, he told Vickers he had made a report to the police about the abandoned car on Tuesday night, after it had been sitting there for three days. He waited for the police by the car for two to three hours, but the police never came. The police didn't show up to take a look until two days later. And even more startling, Hooper told Vickers that he had dash cam video of Abby and a man that she had met at the park on multiple occasions. Hooper had gotten fairly close to the pair in some words, I guess. Right. Apparently he had quote, run them off several times. The guard saved all of the dash cam video on his hard drive at his home. He had finished his shift. He had this dash cam and he would put this video at the end of every shift on his computer at home. Unfortunately, his computer had died and this took place in January of 2016 and the computer could not be fixed. So it was thrown out. All of this potential dash cam surveillance footage went with the computer. It's gone. It's gone because nobody, nobody thought to reach out to this guy. And in fact, the private investigator working for the family, he was a little slow to reach out to him too, because he had already been told by his old buddies at the police department that they, they spoke to this guy while Vickers was trying to dig up any evidence and clues. Lori and Michael received some assistance from an organization called Halo's Investigations. This is a private Mississippi firm that looks into cases of missing or trafficked kids. Halo's volunteers scoured the internet for photos of Abby in the event that she was trafficked. 
They also conducted a search of the Shalimont Park woods, assisted by the Little Rock Police Department. This is four months after Ebby vanished. The organization also helped with publishing the case, sending Ebby's missing persons poster to hospitals and police stations all over the country in case she turned up somewhere. The case manager for Halos, Tina Stores, said her firm often sees cases of missing kids that police have dismissed as runaways, as they seem to have here. To her, it didn't look like Ebby left voluntarily. Meanwhile, the Jernigans were being inundated with all sorts of hoax messages, false alarms, and Facebook pranks, where people claimed to be Ebby. But some of these were enough to point them in the direction of sex trafficking. Some emails were sent to the family showing that Ebby was sold for $25,000. People claimed to have seen her on Backpage and Craigslist. Lori began to realize that this threat was very real. Right. Sergeant Alan Hamby with the Vice Unit told Little Rock's THV-11 that his detectives handle reports of human and sex trafficking every single day, but he still didn't seem to feel a sense of urgency about Ebby's case, despite her parents' real concerns. He said, quote, we're going to try everything we can to help them find her and locate her and see if she wants to be found. We don't know that. Finally, about six months after Ebby was last heard from, the relationship between the Jernigans and the Little Rock Police Department, it became toxic. This is as stated by AY Magazine. They continued to treat Ebby as a runaway. Major crimes detectives refused to get warrants for the phones of the young men allegedly involved in the incident involving Ebby at the party. The Little Rock PD did not seem to appreciate the involvement of the private investigator or of Halos or of anyone else and wouldn't budge on investigating the case as a possible abduction or something worse. Well, basically what they were saying is we're going to sit on our fat asses, right? And then unless the case gets solved by somebody else or the information comes to us, we're not going to do anything. Yeah, and you know what I think we have here, Captain, and I can't say this with 100% certainty, but I feel very confident saying this. I feel like in this situation, we probably have two detectives that are sitting, as you put it, sitting on their fat asses and choosing not to do anything. Yeah, sitting on their thumbs and spinning. And I feel like when we when we talk about this case, when we tell this story, we cannot tell it without telling these mishandlings of the case. However, I think that these two detectives make the whole department have a bad name, and probably undeservingly so. You know, there's probably a lot of good officers with inside of this department, and for whatever reason... The Jernigans just got extremely unlucky that when the phone rang that day and the call came in, it went to this detective's desk and him and this guy worked it and they didn't really work it. (laughs) You can't say they worked it. I guess I shouldn't. (laughs) And like I said, here's what's weird. They refused to work it. Yeah, yeah. Here's what is funny, though, is because when we're talking about the case last week, I kept on trying to come up with reasons. And and try to go, well, maybe they're going through a divorce. Maybe there's bad things in their life happening. Maybe uh, maybe they knew people at the party. Maybe they didn't want it. You know what I mean? Like I was trying to come up with all these reasons, but after a week and the constant neglect, it's like 
These are the guys that sit in their office all day farting in their chair. And then when they get up to get coffee, come back, they sniff their chair. That's what kind of guys these are. So, and I get what you were getting at when we talked last week, and that's not out of bounds. That wouldn't be out of bounds. You're talking about there's a potential here for some type of cover-up that maybe we have people that should be looked into that was at this party, but it it almost seems like these investigators are choosing not to look in that direction for whatever reason. Right, like they're connected to somebody at that party. But then at the end of the day, when you really look at this thing, you see that they're choosing not to look in any direction at all. And so it to me it doesn't feel so much like a cover up. It feels more yeah, like but hold on. Here here's the reason why just a couple guys that are bad at their job. Yeah, seat sniffers. But here's where it makes it feel like a cover up because the, what do we know that the they, lead seems so obvious? Right, because yes, the motive seems obvious. Right. And then we go, we got these individuals. Yes, we talked to them. Uh, but there's no probable cause, so we can't get this information. Well, they're not looking anywhere else. Right. Okay, so the first place you looked, you stopped looking after that. So do you know what happened? Do you know somebody at that party? That makes it seem more likely to me that it's a cover-up. Well, right, and when they are pressured, when they are pushed and pressured to give some kind of theory or some kind of answer to somebody, look, they feel like they need to give an answer to the media. He says, we're going to try everything we can to help find her to help locate her and see if she wants to be found. They're still pointing to the idea that she just took off on her own. Yeah. And if I was the family, I'd be going, not only did she want to be found, she actually wanted to go to the police department to press charges against against these, these douche nozzles, you know? Right. Well, around this time, Lori lost it and she started writing letters to the chief of police, the, the head of the major, crimes division, the mayor of Little Rock, the governor of Arkansas, and anyone else that she could think of. So she's not going to let it be the the buck stops with this guy that's not helping our case at all. I'm going to your bosses. I'm going to the higher ups uh-huh. and I'm going to get some people involved and see what they think of this situation. The Little Rock Police Department, their representatives agreed to meet with the family. And at this meeting, Major Crimes Division Head Captain Mike Davis again denied that they had probable cause to search the young men's phones, telling Lori that, quote, there's probable cause when we say there's probable cause. Yeah. When she's pushing for them to yeah. look into these phones and they're, and they're not budging. Yeah, but obviously that's not the way the law works. But start with the idea that you asked these individuals and they denied it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that has been reported. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, do that. But also, if they would have had any social media contact or or any of the information from her phone, I guarantee you there was text messages back and forth. And if you could, if you could have got that information, that would have gave you the probable cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and remember, I, I do want to circle back to the idea that police were, or at least these investigators were insinuating that Michael, that the stepfather perhaps was responsible for Ebby's disappearance. Again, this is a situation where you only see them putting forth a different theory. They keep reminding the media and everybody in the general public, this is just a runaway. She just took off and, 
if we find her, we'll ask her if she wants to come back or she'll probably turn up on her own. But then when, when pressured and pushed again here, now we have to come up with a different theory and Oh, we want to remind you family who's now breathing down our necks and writing letters to the higher ups. Maybe Michael is the one responsible for her disappearance. Yeah. Oh, okay. Which, which one is it? Which one is it? Do you think that there is foul play involved in this thing? Or do you think that she just walked off on her own? It seems weird. Now they did push the Jernigans to take a lie detector test. You have to wonder if part of this is actual investigation or if it's more of a interrogation. Yeah. Let's, let's scare them to leave us alone. Yeah. They were not willing to take these tests, which the Uh, investigator is going to point out that that makes them look to be guilty. They are going to point out the Jernigans are going to point out and say, we don't know what these, what this officer is doing. We don't know what this investigator is up to. We, we don't feel like comfortable doing a lie detector test. Right. Again, again, we don't know their connection. If there is a connection to any of the guys at this party. And if there is, and and there is a cover up, then what better thing to do to go, well, they failed the lie detector Mm -hmm. and you can't prove that in the court of law. So you can't charge the family, but it gives enough suspicion in the media where they go, well, we shouldn't be looking at these guys anymore. We should be looking at the family. Right. And, And with their point people, with their contacts there at the police department being what they deemed, what the Jernigans deemed untrustworthy, they're not in trade going to trust the department itself. Well, here's and, the, and you're not going to take a test with, with the department you do not trust. Yeah. And this is when you pony up and hire an attorney. You've already got the private investigator, but now you got to start watching out for your own back. Oh, well, at this point, I'm hiring another private investigator, also one that's not connected to that department. But I like lie detector tests. I, I don't, you know, lean on them too much. I like them, but in their case, there's no win because even if you pass, well, lie detectors don't mean anything. That's yeah. It only means something if the person fails. So there's really no win on taking one. Well, and if they fail, we've talked about the false, false positives that can come about when a parent is right. interrogated, when a parent is, is questioned. And the, and the, right. And the reason why is because there's so much stress so they even say after, a, you know, event of a kid going missing or a murder that's close to you, that it takes months for that stress to come down enough for you to be able to take a test where it possibly will read correctly. And I know it doesn't seem like we were heading in this direction, Captain, but let me tell you, as far as this story in this case goes, better times are ahead. And it's right around this time after the family retained an attorney that to everyone's surprise, the FBI voluntarily joined the case. Although there was no federal jurisdiction or interstate crime alleged. Well, here's what happened. Somebody probably read about the case and went, there's some morons down there and we need to investigate this. Well, but keep in mind, she's by this time wrote letters to the governor, to the mayor, She's gotten other people involved in this thing. So who knows who called, who made that phone call and put the FBI there. What we do have 
is Little Rock Police Department, their public affairs division, refused to comment on whether this was an indication that the case had been badly mishandled from the start. Vickers, the private investigator, he gave the feds his files, but of course, possible crucial evidence like the dash cam videos, cell phone tower pings, social media posts, forensic evidence in the Passat, in the vehicle, and who knows what else, this stuff's already lost and gone. Right. All of this seems to have gave the police department a nice, swift kick in the pants, right? A much-needed kick in the pants. Right in the grundle. Eight months after Ebby was last seen, the case was reassigned to the homicide unit under Detective Tommy Hudson. This showed that there was going to be a fresh start, although the case was still technically classified a missing persons case. Lori also received a personal telephone apology from Assistant Chief Wayne Bullion. He pledged to work better with the family. Lori said he was a man with integrity whom she felt she could trust. Finally, she could feel confident that someone with authority was on her side. At the end of 2016, an official three-day search was conducted for clues in the disappearance of Ebby Stebbick. This search was in addition to those conducted by Halos and volunteers in the past. The search, which lasted from November 29th to December 1st, involved family members, the Little Rock Police Department, volunteers from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, and cadaver dogs. The area searched included the wooded areas of Chalamont Park, where Ebby's car was located. Nothing was found. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 
of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL Learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. 
Head to factormeals.com slash true crime garage 50 and use code true crime garage five zero to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code true crime garage 50 at factormeals.com slash true crime garage five zero to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Everybody, uh, sniff your seats. <laughs> Cheers. By mid-2017, private investigator Vickers was in poor health. So the family hired T.J. Ward, a private investigator based in Atlanta, who worked on high-profile cases like Natalie Holloway. Ward came on in October of 2017. This is two years after Ebby vanished. The Jernigan's hopes were bolstered by occasional leads in the case that did lead somewhere, although always leading to other missing girls. Detective Hudson's perseverance following up on leads led to finding two other women who were sold as sex slaves. These women were drugged to the point where they had lost all sense of themselves. Lori told an interviewer that if that is the choice she was facing, she would rather Ebby be dead than living like that. Well, and you wonder, because when she talked to her brother, we know that he he said that she sounded intoxicated mm-hmm. on some level. So that you wonder, is that because she's dealing with this assault from a couple nights before, and or or did somebody drug her? Yeah, and the, the fears that Ebby had been trafficked did persist. This especially after True Crime Daily covered the case in May of 2017. The show sat down with Guy Hooper. He was the security guard who, when talking to True Crime Daily, he made some questionable allegations regarding what he claims he saw while he was working at the park. On June 27, 2017, Little Rock PD held a press conference about new developments in Ebby Stebbick's case. There wasn't anything to report as far as findings, but the announcement was that Ebby's case was going to be taken over by an elite unit of semi-retired detectives who worked on only a few select older cold cases. The detective in charge of Ebby's case was still going to be Tommy Hudson. Now retired, he would be able to dedicate almost all of his time to finding Ebby. He said that not all leads had yet been exhausted and detectives were still receiving the assistance of the FBI. Hudson acknowledged to KARK-TV that, quote, when I got the case, there were things that weren't done that should have been done on the front end. These included asking for the surveillance footage from Walmart. By then, the tapes had already been erased. Also, some key people were never interviewed. He said, quote, I believe there's somebody out there that's in her circle in her social media circle that may know what happened to her and hasn't come forward for whatever reason. It didn't help that Hudson says the original detective skipped parts of the social media search. Hudson also acknowledged that the case had the potential of being a homicide. At this press conference, the Jernigans announced a $50,000 reward for information leading to Ebby's location. And Ebby 
was to be featured on billboards all over central Arkansas. The case also received publicity on Dr. Phil and Nancy Grace. Yeah, in March of 2018, the family's going to celebrate her 21st birthday. At the celebration, they, well, for the celebration, Captain, they held a fundraiser party selling items commemorating Ebby. They donated the proceeds to Partners Against Trafficking Humans. This is a Little Rock organization that supports victims. Lori Jernigan went through hell in the nearly three years since her daughter vanished without a trace. Mm -hmm. There were false sightings, false alarms, fruitless searches, baseless tips, poor investigative work. There was the time police showed her a shoe taken off of a severed leg of a female corpse found in the Arkansas River. She said it did look like Abby's pink Nike tennis shoe, but the leg didn't belong to Abby. Then there was the time that the volunteer searchers looking for Abby in 2016 searched a wooded area in Little Rock and found a skeleton and a bag containing women's clothes and a pair of handcuffs. But again, it wasn't Abby. Then Tommy Hudson, his cold case unit, issued a media release in May of 2018, and it said that since June of 2017, the unit resubmitted unspecified evidence to the Arkansas State Crime Lab. These tests produced, quote, some positive results that led us to believe that we need to search the area of Shalomont Park again. This was combined with the fact that investigators in the unit had, quote, run through some scenarios about what could have happened to Abby, and they arrived at the conclusion that they really needed to revisit the area where her car was found. They decided to conduct a search of the piping and drainage systems close to where her car was found. Abby's car was found parked in a paved lot in the park within feet of a storm sewer, and they wanted to search this. So police enlisted the assistance of the public's works department to send robots equipped with video cameras down the drain located right near Abby's car. This is a storm drain, the kind that is rectangular in shape, opening between the sidewalk and the street that led to underground pipes. A manhole on the sidewalk provided access to the pipe. The pipe had two openings, not far apart in the park, one opening was in one side of the parking lot near Ebby's car. Then it ran underneath a landscaped area of plantings and trees, and the other end emerged in a different part of what is a U-shaped parking lot. So this other opening is opposite where Ebby's car was parked. So they're sending robots down the drain with camera equipment on them. Correct. And they first go down the drain that was nearest Ebby's car. Now, at this location, they hit an obstruction about 70 feet down. When they ran the robots down the other end of the drain, they hit an obstruction 130 feet down. Investigators decided to excavate to see what was inside the pipe. On May 22, 2018, the diggers were called in, and they dug up the pipe. In the area between the obstructions, human remains were found. The excavation was halted. The family notified. A new crime scene area was designated, and the FBI evidence recovery team was brought in. According to the media release, new evidence was also found inside the piping system. The remains were found not 50 feet 
from a memorial for Abby and just feet from where her car was found. Abby Stebbick's remains were identified as hers within 24 hours. The Pulaski County Coroner's Office has made a determination as to the cause of death, but that information has not been released. The case is considered an open homicide investigation. And once they find her remains, there's going to be several people that come forward and say, hey, we actually tried to report this to the detectives. Yeah, so, I mean, really, truly, it was mind-boggling that Abby wasn't found prior to this final search. Right. Because every time that anyone was there looking, searching the park, even with cadaver dogs, she had been right there. And there were several times her mom speaking to TV cameras in connection with searches, memorials, and vigils for her daughter. She's standing right in front of that very storm drain leading to the pipe where Abby was found. The thing is, you sit there and in hindsight, you wonder how could no one have thought to investigate the storm drain, which was literally right under the front bumper of her car. Right, especially if there's claims that it was there was a smell coming from there as well. Right, right. And you say there was a smell. Well, we know that there was a smell that permeated the area because, in fact, the Little Rock Police Department had been on notice the whole time that Ebby was probably in that storm drain. Now, let's, let's break this down. This is because on November 3rd, 2015, uh-huh. this is just days after Ebby was last heard from, her friend Kaylee Foley, She's one of Abby's best friends, and we've mentioned her already. Kaylee Foley and her mother, Margie, went to Chalamont Park. This was after they met with the major crimes detectives who were following up on some missing persons reports. Right. Meaning Abby's case. Right, right, right. Frustrated by Abby's disappearance and the lack of information, this mother and daughter team decided that they were going to go and see the park for themselves. They wanted to go and just look around the place where Ebby's car was found. They parked in the same parking lot where Ebby's car was located, and they started just looking around. And then Margie says as they walked by the drainage pipe area, they both smelled something terrible. So she called 911 to report the smell, and she doesn't call 911 and report like a, a terrible smell. She calls 911 and says, I smell decomposition. In an article appearing in May of 2018, THV11 printed the contents of that 911 call to the Pulaski County Sheriff's Office. It says, and this is Margie talking, says, I just came out of a meeting with Detective Williams in regards to a missing person named Ebby Stebbick. I brought my daughter, who's a friend of hers. We just started walking around here, and I smelled decomposition. I just called his phone, meaning Detective Williams. Right. He didn't call me back. Could you send somebody here to investigate? The sheriff's office then called Little Rock Police Department. They needed to relay this information. The dispatcher waited for more than two minutes for a supervisor to come to the phone before the line goes dead. The dispatcher called again and spoke to a different dispatcher before speaking with an unidentified woman. 
That's when the information was relayed. She says she smelled something terrible. She says she smelled decomposition, and she's worried that this might be related to the case that she just spoke to you about. Margie Foley claims she called police at least three times, leaving phone messages for the investigator in charge of the case. She says more than an hour passed before the police department officers showed up at the scene. And she says, I was kind of dismissed by them. She told this to a reporter. When she explained what officers said to her at the scene, she said, they told me this park has gone through with some, it's been gone through with some dogs and they would have picked up on that scent. They right. would have picked up on that if it was important to our case. Right. What you're smelling, lady, must be a dead animal or something. She said that the officers did look into the storm drain with flashlights, but then they told her, you're smelling sewage. Right. Later, she would say, it just makes me physically ill thinking that the girl that I had in my home had taken in was decaying down there, and that's what she said she smelled. And nobody did anything. For three years. They just left her there. Margie Foley says she also reported her story about the odor wafting up from the storm drain to officers conducting the search of the park in late November of 2016. And again, nothing came of her reports. Lori Jernigan, in response to learning, she's just now learning after her daughter's remains are found. Right. She's just now learning about these 911 calls. She says in response to these calls that she could have had closure within days, not years, of what went on in her daughter's case. Well, not to mention that one of the leads or one of the avenues, rabbit holes that you have to go down is that possibly she that she's abducted and put into sex trafficking. And so she's thinking that possibly that her daughter is being tortured for years. Mm-hmm. It's, it's unbelievable. It's unforgivable. Yeah. And here's the thing. The reason why, I mean, I kind of went through the long version of parts of that story and that you might not find in that detail elsewhere. But the thing that I really wanted to hone in on and reiterate very strongly was this was not a case of where a woman says she found a came across a strange smell right and just simply called 911 and left it at that. No, she called and left a message for the detective that she just spoke to. She went and spoke to that detective in person and I believe it was at his request. And so afterwards she leaves his office with her daughter they go to the park and she's saying, look, I, I believe this might be in relationship to the case that we just spoke about. Right. And this is, I don't know. It just, it just seems like there was so much opportunity to not miss this step and somehow they still managed to do so. Yeah. It's, it's pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic. And it's, law enforcement and detectives like this that give the good guys a bad name. Right. And the the thing too, um, is the Walmart, the possible footage that they could have come up with from that Walmart super center. Yeah. That one of the routes that somebody would have to take to that park or to leave that park, they don't have to go by the Walmart, but one of the, 
a chosen route could lead you past that Walmart. Right. Either on your way in or your way out of the park or both. Now, they could have come across surveillance footage that could have been extremely helpful to this investigation. There's, I don't know the distance between the cameras and the road, but we know that her car was found in that park. Right. And we know, look, this is not, this is not hard, man. This is not rocket science. The officers, the investigators would know there's a Walmart down the street. Maybe we should go over there and check their footage. They could have seen a vehicle following hers or leading hers, or you could even go, all right, well, we, we saw 10 vehicles at this time through, through the next hour or two. Right. Uh, maybe we should look into those vehicles. You know, there was all kinds of leads that weren't followed up upon that were just missed in the beginning. And then the case, essentially, it ends up with the cold case detectives because it went cold because it was not worked. And that's really the sad, sick truth of of this. And and what's what's even terrible, maybe even more terrible. We're sitting here today analyzing the case and the story and the investigation and the investigation in the early stages was so bad. It, it almost overshadows the, this young woman got murdered. Right. And it's not solved. It's not solved. There's some very good leads there. I do want to, I do want to throw out a possible silver lining. It seems to me, I couldn't find any, anything printed with these four boys or men or whoever they were at this party. Shit bags. Or what, what they may have done to Ebby, what their level of involvement in that crime was, right. or what their level of involvement is with her disappearance and murder. I couldn't find that. What, what I do believe, though, is even though that that's not out there, based off of the private investigators, we had two throughout the duration of, of this case, and through some of the words that that are said and chosen to be chose to be used in statements given to the media it seems to me captain like those persons are probably known to the investigators yeah that's good but because i mean we have them on record stating we spoke to these guys they wouldn't let us see their phones we didn't have probable cause to get a search warrant and we have the family complaining you should have got a damn search warrant and searched their phone. So it's it's not like these these men are mystery men. They're they're known right, to the, to investigate. Right, but the things to connect the dots and build a case against them they're have probably been lost. Probably gone. So now it just becomes dust in the wind. Does one of these guys one day, you know, does he grow a pair of balls and say, "Hey, you know what? This thing happened and yes, I saw the video and I also heard rumors or know for a fact that somebody's responsible for her death. Mm-hmm. But it'll take somebody that seems like a shitbag to step up to the plate and be a man. And what it comes down to is the, the law enforcement didn't take the initial claims of sexual assault serious at the beginning and then didn't take that a step further once she went missing. And it's, and it's, it's so it's pathetic. And yeah. then the again the torture that they put the family through, that's pathetic. Yeah, and it's like and then, but the question to me is that because you're lazy and stupid and you're a moron, or or did you start talking? Did you start doing some? Did you actually do some investigation 
and realize that somebody you knew was involved in this. Mm-hmm. So are you choosing to be stupid or, or, or is this a cover up? And what's so sad is it seems like these guys just got to keep their jobs and nothing happened to them. And there's, you know, nothing done. Uh, yeah, we apologized. We put new people on the case. Well, that doesn't uncover evidence that should have been uncovered to begin with. That doesn't, apology doesn't do much. It doesn't correct what the the past misdealings of what what in the end will be looked upon as the misdealings of the entire police department. Right, and I it, and what I, what it does do is. I am happy that at some yeah. point they realize somebody realized yeah. that this isn't working out. It's our fault, even though they've not publicly claimed any any blame. We we have to take this in a different direction, or or we're never going to get anywhere with this. So I I, I you know it's as angry as you get with them, and as 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 pissed off as you get for the missteps early on they did at some point recognize that there was a problem and they pivoted from that. Well, and I hate to sound like I'm on a soapbox, but it just seems to me not just this law enforcement, but society in general, if we took sexual assault claims more serious, then we'd have way more information and we'd know who was responsible for the assault and we would know probably who's responsible for her murder. After Ebby's remains were found, Lori and Michael Jernigan released a public statement which reads, Ebby's story over the past 30-plus months has touched many lives. Many have seen the beauty in her eyes that revealed a deep passion and care for others. So it is only fitting that the search to find Ebby has sparked open conversations and brought a heightened awareness to missing children and young adults. The existence of sex trafficking along with the need for improved policies and processes within the law enforcement community in these areas. Her story has touched many in ways that she could not have ever imagined. At her funeral, several speakers addressed the positives that have come out of her case. Before her funeral, the family requested that instead of sending flowers, people who wanted to show support should send donations to Halo's Investigations or PATH instead. One of the final family speakers was Ebby's father, Peter Stebbick, who read his last letter to Ebby and said, quote, As I close the last love letter from a dad to his daughter, I need you to know it was an honor to know you and to spend time with you. And another tragic turn of events for the Jernigan family, Ebby's brother Trevor passed away suddenly from a heart attack. He died at the young age of 35. want to thank everybody for joining us in the garage and thank you so much for sharing our show on social media and thank you to you captain Mm -hmm. all right thanks to everybody join us back here in the garage next week until then be good be kind and don't litter
They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow.